A young widow with two daughters moves in across the street from a couple, Daryl and Debbie. Daryl and Debbie take her and her daughters under their wing. In fact, two of the daughters, one of the widows and one of Daryl and Debbie's, share the same first name and they become close, almost like sisters. Over time, however, Daryl and the young widow start an affair and the young widow becomes pregnant. Daryl moves in with her and her two daughters. They have children of their own. The two Ariels are excited at first because now they will get to be real sisters. But things are not a happily ever after. Daryl has a criminal history and spends most of his time in prison versus at home. He has a drug problem and there is some domestic violence. The young widow finally had enough and breaks up with Daryl. But this decision would shatter her life and the two Ariel's lives in ways that no one saw. But that's not all there is to this story. Listen to the end for the twist. This is Outline of a Murder, and this is the case of Daryl Ketchner. <clears throat> all right, guys. Very exciting day. Mm-hmm. We've got some awesome coasters with our saying. Yes. So now you guys will know your lines. <laughs> I know mine easier. and mom's. So that's good. I know mine now. After three years, <laughs> you forgot once or twice. Oh, probably more than that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, shout out to my hubs. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. he did that's these so laser burned. I think burned, is the right. technical term. Yes, and but for those pictures. that don't know, yeah, it's laser. he put our pictures on the coasters as well as the saying, is so which nice. is very important <laughs> because now y'all will have a reference point. I don't even want to use them. Love it. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, so let's kick off intros and then our drink, our regional local drink. Mm-hmm. All right, hit us off. Hello, I'm Elena. Mom. <laughs> I'm Sherry. <laughs> and this is Outline of a Murder. And so we're doing a New Mexico drink, which so I have failed once again in the drink department because I was supposed to bring Sandia hard ciders mm, very very yummy. very delicious uh lavender and watermelon are the best but i also love new mexico uh, uh hot cocoa and you put chili powder in it so so good take never had it before drink here mm-hmm. oh. oh sorry sorry <laughs> cheers cheers, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> the look we got the look mm. That is so mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to New Mexicans. Yeah. It's We're delicious. Doing, uh, New Mexico and Texas. And mm-hmm. California. And, and California. California. Yeah, because yeah, you're from <laughs> yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot, yeah. Forgot Shout I'm out from. to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And you can just get normal cocoa or homemade cocoa and then cocoa. just add some dashes cocoa. of chili powder, however much you want. Yeah. So. But a salt would be good. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Salt would be delicious. Salt caramel would be good. Let's not go crazy, Mom, you know, with the chili. Let's just leave it to, let's leave it to us, shall cray, we? Cray. <laughs> now, salt and caramel, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, so this case, my, your microphone went sideways. There you go. There you go. Uh, so this case actually is not local to us it's local to a friend it's in arizona but i can't say who and i can't get into um all the details what part of california 
Or Arizona. I Maybe mean, Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> Did you just see Elena put napkins in her armpits? Yeah, y'all don't want me not, not to, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, and when I first... <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. What? You? I remember our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first researched the case, it was another one where you can't find a lot you know, of information, but I did find enough where there are several twists and turns that I did not expect. Okay. Don't, don't, don't. Okay. So, um, she, this friend was, she's a good friend. She was almost involved in the case actually when she was in Kingman, Arizona. Um, but she didn't want her name. That's where my mom and dad lived. Okay. For a while. Oh. And when he died, she moved back to California. Okay. We'll Mm -hmm. see what time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She didn't want um, her name in here, but when she she heard we were doing local cases, she's like, oh, I've got one for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now this is a great um, case too, because it, it's in line. Like a lot of our mini series are at least this, you know, this mini series, they're in line with our purpose, you know, of be smart, be rude. Don't be a victim. Right. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of things in the case that could have probably saved their lives maybe we'll we'll see mm-hmm. but um there's actually two involved or two cases in this one so it's the case of daryl ketchner and um he lived with his wife debbie and, and it's gonna get a little bit you know twist and turn so i'll try to um keep everything clear but daryl K- kitchener um was friends with my friend. Okay, so they they went to school, and if I'm not mistaken, and I, I've got it in my notes, but her sister dated him. I, I think so. Um, there's a whole connection That's there. Pretty friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they she they were very aware of Daryl, knew who he was, the whole nine yards. Um, and he lived with his wife Debbie, and then at some point, a widow moved in across the street from them, and her name was Jennifer. Oh no, uh, Allison and her husband Sean Allison. He had died in a car crash when their first daughter Ariel was four years old. Jennifer was twenty at the time, and also um, she had a two-year-old named Kenzie. Daryl and Debbie. That, you know, they were the couple across the street from her. They had three children, Ashley, Allie, and another Ariel. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's two Ariels. What year was this again? Uh, 1990 something. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the early 2000s. Yeah. Ariels. Yeah. From the movie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, A names, I apologize beforehand because we might get confused. <laughs> so when, when Jennifer moved in with her kids, they loved playing together. They played together all the time. Um, they loved the tree house that Jennifer had in her backyard. So, you know, instantly like there was like this bond between the families and the kids loved, you know, each other and they would play all the time. But Ariel Allison and Ariel Ketchner got really, really close. So the two Ariels, they bonded fast. And they were also the same age. They went to the same school as well. Things seemed great, you know, between the adult friends mm-hmm. until mm. Jennifer and Daryl started having an affair. Yeah. Yep. That's why you we said saw it. that. Yeah. 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 You saw it coming. Yeah. Right. And I was like, <laughs> why'd she say that? I know. And then it I was like it. right off the bat. She's like, yeah. oh. Yeah. Widow. <laughs> and Jennifer also became pregnant. 
um, right off the bat. And so they would end up having two more children together. Uh, Reports say, and I'm not sure how she handled it this well, but they said uh, Debbie handled it with grace. The wife. Yeah. Yeah. and, and that was in spite of her and Daryl being high school sweethearts. So they were high school sweethearts. Three children. He ha- yep. Has an affair with the next door or with the neighbor across the street. And she was a trooper. Um, she also, quote, stood by her troubled man through thick and thin for more than 20 years. Um, he had an extensive rap sheet. Daryl did. So he had drug use, DUIs, weapons, and domestic violence. Oh. Did, so, you, did the friend, your friend, know all this? Mm-hmm. I mean, was he like that in high school, a troublemaker? Um, you know? I don't remember her saying he was a troublemaker, but he did sound like a real high-energy type of guy. So, yeah. Um, he first went to prison in 1992 for drug offenses that he committed in 1982. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, maybe the process, court mm-hmm. process. I guess. That maybe. seems like you know, 10 time. years. Right. Yeah. Uh, he also went back in 1999 for drug conspiracy conviction from the previous year. And then his father, Wayne, sounds like a stand up guy. Uh, he was a prominent Kingman optometrist. But there were also mm. allegations of violent abuse against Daryl's mother, all four of the children, including him. That's oh. the type of individual you want around your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I'm trying yeah. to remember, I, yeah. I think I think I could have it mistaken, and if she ever listens to this, she can tell me, but I thought that was um, her op- optometrist, but I know for a fact the next doctor in the case was her doctor. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was very... Um, abusive. One incident, according to the defense attorney, was particularly disturbing. After Wayne beat his wife, he couldn't get her to stop bleeding. So he placed her in an ice-filled bathtub. Eventually, his wife took their two daughters and moved home to Oregon, but left Daryl with the dad. So Daryl just saw that, and that's how he became yep. abusive. Well, and then and he again, was abusing Daryl as well, right? Yeah. yeah. And then your mom chooses... Some of the kids, yeah, and leaves you, and it the seems boy. more common. I why. The boy, the boy. Well, yeah, she took the two girls. How old was the boy? Because mm-hmm. maybe he was in Didn't his say. teens. But there were four children. Three, mm, three. I thought they had four. No, there's four. Yeah, you're right. Oh, there's four. So two girls, a boy. So I guess the boy stayed with the dad. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. Kn- I guess I could see it just because of like financially and being a single parent, mm. but yeah. it still just seems to cause a lot of problems. And I think that boys are close to their moms typically yep, more than their dads and then daughters mm-hmm. are closer. But yeah, I mean, the daughters would have been defenseless to me. I would have taken all of them because yeah. obviously he's a poop bird yep. yeah. and he likes to beat uh, you know, defenseless women children and, and children. women. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I, I mean, possibility is that maybe either he stopped with the boys or maybe it wasn't as bad with the boys, but you have that stigma where you don't want your boy. Well, most, especially older parents, you don't want your boy being a mama's boy. Um, you want them to have that male influence and. Yeah. I don't think with yeah. him though. Yeah. Or it might have been too late, and the mother knew he was violent, too. 
yeah, you never know. It could have been. Didn't want him, you know. It could have been. I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. I'd have tried to get him help though, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he was already displaying, Uh you know, troubled behavior, things like that, sisters. Yeah, Yeah, the mom might have been like, "I can't do that." Yeah, lots of scenarios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, I reserve my judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have all the facts. Yes. So after the affair, Debbie still welcomed the Allison children in her home because her kids were friends. Yeah. Mm, 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 There was obviously some tension. Um, (laughs) Debbie's oldest daughter, Ashley, in particular, uh, was old enough to realize how heartbroken her mother was. So she was definitely angry for a few years about the whole, you know, deal. Um, But then she was in a, a serious car accident at the age of 16. And she learned that holding grudges wasn't good. So she let it go. Mm. But, I mean, kudos to her. I don't know if I would have been able to be, especially if I was a teenager, that forgiving. Um, But if you almost lose your life, I could see that. And the mom displayed forgiveness for sure. Mm -hmm. Or bottling up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or it could have been also, you know, if. If he was violent and she was with him over 20 plus years, it could have been a codependency situation too. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if she Mental was just abuse. that type of person yeah. or if there, you know, yep. was that whole codependency deal. The two Ariels, they were seven years old at the time of the affair and they weren't like, it didn't phase them. They were just excited sure. that they could be sisters. Right. Oh. Yeah. So that was, you know, <laughs> That's they cute. didn't comprehend no. what no. was happening. No, but and when then, they do, yeah, that'll be a big. And then Debbie's um, Ariel grew close to Jennifer. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh. I know the whole thing. I'd be like, no, oh, ma'am. no, oh, hell no. Uh, so the <laughs> wife, wife's Ariel was friends. So the, the the Debbie's Ariel became very close to her stepmom Jennifer when her dad was in prison um, for fifteen of the Wait, last. Did they get married? They got married. Mm-hmm. For oh. 15 of the last 21 years before the murder. So she, you know, they were together 14 years beginning in 1997. Daryl left the wife uh-huh. and married Jennifer. They married. And had oh. two children. Uh-huh. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. We Did missed they that. they have the two children before they got married, though? One for sure. I don't yeah, know about that. Sure. Okay, okay. We're with you. I'm following. Okay. In 2008, their relationship became increasingly violent with several verbal and physical altercations. Uh, Ketchner made death threats against Jennifer, Kinsey, and her boyfriend, a guy named Nate. Uh, Jennifer got orders of protection that year, which, by the way, if any of our listeners have listened, um, that's usually when violence is going to occur. When you leave or when there's a restraining order, that's typically the trigger. And um, not always, but typically. So she did get orders of protection that year. And then in January 2009, after several violent encounters with Jennifer, Kinsey, and Nate. So he wasn't attacking just Jennifer. He was going after his own daughter. Wait, no, Kinsey was Jennifer's. Right. So he's going after her, and he's going after her boyfriend, Nate. You know... In my opinion, those orders don't really mean anything. I know. But here's the thing. Like, do your due diligence, though. I mean, try to... Have a record of it. That's true. A record. And there are um, situations where they they do work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, do your due diligence, in my opinion. Give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I think it'd make them matter. It usually does, but... Um, I mean, you, you got to try to do something. You do. Mm-hmm. But At least on the record. 
I mean, to me, it's like you pack up your bags and you leave and you don't tell anybody except maybe your parents mm-hmm. where you're going. That's hard to do, though. I know, but I don't but, know. I mean, if your life, yeah, if you're with a violent person, you got to understand they're going to come after you. And you have a lot of information on the site. Mm-hmm. We do. For abused and yep. outlineofamurder.com mm-hmm. or outlineofamurderpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We do. And the one site I really like where it, like if the abuser comes in the room, you just hit a button and it looks like a weather yeah. website. So yeah. it's really cool. That's and what cool. was that one called? Do you remember? I don't know. It's that was a very good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real good one. And even resources for military spouses. Yes. Okay, so um, at Jennifer's request, though, the court vacated each order of protections. We see a typical pattern. Even with the daughter? Or she couldn't do that, could she? Oh, I, I don't know about the daughter. Probably couldn't. I just know okay. that she had the order of protection. So that tells me, like many who are abused, they have a rough time getting away Absolutely. from the abuser because they actually love them. Mm-hmm. But I think, like we've talked about, part of it is a... Um, uh, maybe an esteem issue and a value, a, yeah. a value issue that you're worth more than getting the hell beat out of you. And, uh, and plus again, they loved him. So, um, he pled guilty to one misdemeanor assault charge and other misdemeanors were pending at the time of the murder. So on March 25th, 2009, Daryl told Jennifer that he was going to quote, slit her throat if she tried to get child support. Oh, He tried to enter her home the next day, but she wouldn't let him in. So in a fit of rage, he smashed the windshield and driver's side window of Nate's car that was parked in the driveway. So a criminal damage report was filed against Daryl, and then Jennifer got a third protective order. Uh, Unfortunately, and this is another pattern, which we see that typically gets people killed, is she would see him occasionally, and she even had dinner with him uh, once in his home. How many have we seen that? Yeah. It's over and over. It's like, don't be, you know, be smart. Right. Be mm-hmm. rude. Yeah. Don't agree to dinner dates, people. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And and like even one situation that I'm, I've got a friend that's, you know, going through a divorce, Um I don't think he'll physically hurt her, but he's enough of a mind where I'm not sure. And I remember she was driven because her kids were there to get into the house after he went to sleep just so she could make sure her kids were okay. And I said, I don't think that's smart. Um, I think if anything, get a sheriff to go out there with you and then go get your kids. But she did it anyway. And I remember thinking, well, I hope she's going to be okay. And so there doesn't, I don't feel like there's a heightened need for her um, to, you know, be aware that he may physically harm her because I really don't think he w- would. But at the same time, you never know. No, you don't and know. And it made me nervous. Anything but she did end up being okay. Can but set them off, especially if there's mental health issues too. You yeah. add to the instability, the the rage, and yeah, not a good combo. I don't know what the logic Rejection. is after all the violence. There's you leave, no Why you would go eat with them or go on a date? Or- I don't know. Except that the only thing I can think of is these type of men. They're very manipulative. Like, they're master manipulators, and they know how to love bomb. And coerce. Yeah. So if you're, like, starving yeah. for affection, and right. they show you the least little bit, yeah. the soul just latches on. Like, well, maybe maybe finally 
you know, this That's person will, will yeah. stop. And you always have the hope someone's going to change always. Yep. And you, one little smidge is all you need, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, you know, back in the day being young and mm-hmm. not knowing my worth and value, just one little smidge is all I was looking yep. for. Yeah. Oh, this is it. This is the change. Yeah. No, not no, so much. No. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's probably part of what was going on. So that was in March. Then in April, he broke into Jennifer's home. And then on May 15th, 2009, Nate was driving when Ketchner blocked his way with his own vehicle. He jumped out. He ran to Nate's car. He tried to open the locked driver's side door. And that's the boyfriend of uh-huh. the guy? How old is the kid? I'm assuming a teenager. And he kept telling Nate that he was going to, quote, rip his head off if he didn't drop the criminal charge against him. He also called Jennifer, quote, a psychotic bitch who, quote, was going to get what was coming to her. So he has a neck and, or excuse me, a throat and head. Yes. Infatuation. We shall see. Yes, yes. And he then punched the door. Like you did yesterday. I did And punch then left. It. You punched the door? <laughs> it was a love tap. It was a hate tap. It was a pissed off tap is what it was. Yeah, this lady is going like 30 miles per hour through a parking lot and almost hit us. <gasps> so I said, hey. And hit her. Was she in the car? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Did not phase her. She nope. didn't budge. Just kept barreling through. So if a kid would have gotten loose, that kid would have Awful. been ran over. Please hold on to your children at all times around parking lots. Yeah, especially oh, post-COVID. People have lost their minds. The car. Yes. She didn't stop. And then, no. well, and then we stopped. And then she told her, hey, do you know you almost ran over people? What? What? Really? Yeah, I said, I mean, I, I didn't cuss or anything. I didn't yell at her. Mm-mm. I did good. Yeah, she did. She did really I good. Did very She's good. like, do you mind if I'm, I'm like, I, hey, I'm down. <laughs> You know, if anything needs to happen, we're, I'm right here, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. (laughs) Wow. On, uh, on July 2nd, so that was May, on July 2nd, Daryl approached a marked patrol car with Officer Knert, I think, inside. He said that he wished to review a police report concerning criminal charges against him and told the officer he believed it would be dropped soon. So, did did you say unmarked? Mm Mm-hmm. No, marked. He just okay. walked up to the mm-hmm. car and, and he wanted a copy of the police report, which I'm pretty sure that cops don't just go around with a <laughs> no. book of police reports. And so the officer told him how to get the report and then <laughs> like you'd probably go to left. the station. I bet he made note. Yeah. I bet that's that just officer weird. made note. Very, like right. to me, that's very brazen. Where are you going? We're doing a, a podcast. Oh, okay. Are you surprised? Probably sit back down. Nope, not around Sherry. You are to be seated at all times. Put your seatbelt on with the light on. So later, uh, two days later, on July 4th, Jennifer and her family celebrated one of the daughter's birthdays mm-hmm. um, without Ketchner. He was told that he could not have the children that day. 
Oh, good. Later that evening, Jennifer and Ariel were sitting in the kitchen table or at the kitchen table and Kenzie was in the bedroom with her younger siblings and then her boyfriend Nate was there with them. A few minutes later, Nate was walking toward the kitchen when Ketchner walked into the house using a side door. Oh, no. I cannot imagine. Like, my heart would drop. The adrenaline would immediately be up because you know he's up to no good. Yeah. He didn't, hey. have, he didn't have visitation, did he? Mm-mm. Nope. So Jennifer ran to the living room screaming, no, no, Daryl, no. Ketchner grabbed her by the hair, began hitting her. So Nate went back to the bedroom and then he fled. Nate fled. He fled? Okay. To get police, maybe? I don't know. Kenzie maybe. and her maybe. younger siblings escaped through the bedroom window, so they got out. Jennifer Aww. took off running outside to the driveway, screaming, He's trying to kill me. He's stabbing me. <gasps> Daryl, get out of the house. A neighbor saw Ketchner beating Jennifer, who at this point was lying in the driveway. So the neighbor yelled at Ketchner to get off Jennifer, which he did. And then he looked at the neighbor, and then he ran into the house. He went to Jennifer's bedroom, grabbed her gun, came back outside, walked to where she was lying in the driveway, and shot her in the head. Oh. He then ran off, and the neighbors obviously called 911. Authorities arrived in minutes. So, you know, Jennifer's in the driveway. Where's Ariel? Right. Because everybody else got out of the house, but where is she at? Uh, so they tended to Jennifer. She did survive her attacks. She did? Jennifer she did. did. She did. Shot in the head? Uh-huh. She Damn. did have, um, that is probably small caliber. like, long-term mm. issues. She had memory. Like, she doesn't remember the incident at all. Thank God. That's God's grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when the police searched the home, they found her oldest daughter, Ariel, lying in a pool of blood in her mother's bedroom. She had been trying to stop Ketchner from killing Kill. her mom. And, and that wasn't his daughter. That uh-uh. was her daughter. Was her. Oh, boy. Yeah, his, his, his Ariel's best friend. Mm. Uh, that she was so excited about yeah. Yeah. having a sister. That's sad. Police um, searched the surrounding area for Ketchner, but they didn't find him until the next morning. He was passed out on a golf course. He still um, had Jennifer's loaded gun and a bag of items, sex toys, porn movies, uh, clothing, zip ties, and medicines. What do you, I wonder why he wanted the porn stuff. That's what I'm he was probably he, hyped up on drugs and I porn. I think he was hyped up on drugs. I know with meth in particular, the sex drive goes through the roof. So you'll typically have that. So I don't know if he was on meth. It may be in my notes if he was. But I think that he was going to kidnap her and mm. probably rape her over and over. But um, also maybe she plan fought, to torture her with it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could have been. Uh, let's see. They um, handed down, the j- grand jury handed down indictments for first degree murder, attempted first degree murder, three cra- counts of aggravated assault, uh, first degree burglary and misconduct involving weapons. Now he pled guilty to the weapons charge. <laughs> he started serving a 15 year sentence. He pled not guilty to the other counts, especially the murder charges and the burglary charges. Because he said, I wasn't there to kill anybody. Oh, that but makes a you difference. Did. But you did, yeah. And you weren't there to kill anybody, but disregard. And I think that <laughs> they did the first degree so they could get the death penalty because Arizona has a death penalty. Nice. So it was aggravated. You've got the first degree murder and then the burglary, so that immediately puts it as a death penalty case. Mm-hmm. Do they still have the death penalty? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. So he was convicted on all 
uh, the remaining six counts in 2013, but they couldn't agree on whether the murder was premeditated. So they found, though, that the three aggravating circumstances, along with the mm. evidence in the penalty phase, definitely amounted to death, yeah. plus 75 years for the non-capital crimes. But here's the thing, premeditated. He had given a couple of warnings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that not premeditated? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And came with a knife, didn't she say but she stabbed? But with the threats, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, a threat's a threat. To me... Okay, I would want to know, where did the knife come from? Mm-hmm. Did he get it from the kitchen? Because if he got it from the kitchen, then that tells me he did not come prepared to kill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. However, the other side is he had zip ties yes. in his yeah. bag. So that to me is premeditation. Mm-hmm. So I could see that they, they may not be able to reach an agreement. It's like, well, if the weapon came from the home, then the only thing we can get from the bag is that he intended maybe to possibly rape or assaulter, or kidnapper, but we don't know if his intent going there was to kill her. If he came with the weapons, 100%. Okay, I will not reserve my judgment as you did earlier. Right. And um, yeah, I'm going with premeditation. Yeah. That's the douchebag right there. Ooh. He looks like a bully. And then he looks the... like a mean bully. That was her. Oh. That was the daughter or the wife? That's Ariel. Oh, oh, she's that's gorgeous. terrible. She's beautiful. Sweetheart, look. Do you have a Looking. picture of Jennifer? No, I could not find one. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Or, or the first wife, what's her name? Couldn't find one. Debbie. 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 He did address members of the family, you know, at the sentencing phase. Uh, he said he wouldn't ask for mercy or forgiveness, but he was remorseful for all that he took from them. I doubt it. But... The story does not end there. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> so they have a new trial because um, the state presented expert testimony from Dr. Kathleen Ferraro, a sociologist who specializes in domestic violence issues. And we've seen this before in another case. Her role was to educate the jury on domestic mm-hmm. violence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also domestic mm-hmm. violence patterns, because there's definitely patterns yeah. that lead up to it. And then also general characteristics exhibited by both the victims and the abusers. Well, she testified about, quote, separation assault, which, you know, again, we've discussed it today. We've discussed it every season. And that's the reality that that's the most dangerous time for the victim is when they finally mm-hmm. start separating and trying to get all the tentacles dis you know, connected in their lives. And the abuser, she said, recognize they've lost or they're losing control and they'll use violence, which is why the victims keep going back to them um, because they, they're not safe and they're, they're worried they're going to get killed. Oh, that's that okay. Sense. Total sense. She also described the risk factors for intimate partner homicide, the presence of a gun in a house, stepchildren in the home, which... Yep. Uh, prior threats to kill, drug and alcohol abuse, uh, forks, forced sex, which the fact that he had the porn yep. and the zip ties, I yes. bet that was occurring. And he might have done it, yeah, before, not just... And strangulation. So I couldn't find any past strangulation attempts, but he did seem to be fascinated with the throat and head area. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if this doctor has any books. That would be really fascinating. 
to get more input on. Oh, true. Yeah. Or I a podcast. Know. Your phone, Sarah, yeah. if you want to. Uh, it's um, Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. I was going to look it up, but I wasn't sure if I was going to get scolded, so I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ferraro, F-E-R-R-A-R-O. Yeah, we might have listeners that will be interested yeah. in the book. Oh, I am. Yeah. She does? She's got a couple. What's the names? Well, we've got Neither Angels Nor Demons, Women Crime Victimization. Okay. Mm, something about gender, I'm not sure. And then Women's Lives. Okay. So the okay. first two, they sound like definitely something that our listeners can educate themselves on or if they're in that situation. I have one um, of my friends that she started reading a book on emotional abuse and physical. And she's like, I didn't realize this whole time. Yeah. And I had told her, I said, you know, that's abuse, right? And she was shocked. And then since then, she's educated herself. And she's like, wow, I just didn't yeah. put it together. A lot and of my, people don't, though, I think. To me, anytime you're hit, it's abuse. Well, in my therapy, I realized um, there was a a relationship, past relationship, where it was abuse. And it definitely wasn't physical, Mm -hmm. um, not even verbal. But the mental. Oh, my word. The mind games. Manipulation, the games. Yeah. 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 The disconnect, the control. And thank goodness that more and more people are realizing that abuse is not just physical. Yeah. Right. You know, it's definitely those mind games. In fact, like we've learned, a lot of our cases, there isn't any physical. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is shocking. Yeah. Okay. So she definitely has some books. Check those out. Um, So... All of these fit, you know, Ketchner for sure, uh-huh. except they, you know, again, the strangulation. But the defense and the basis of the appeal was that Dr. Ferraro profiled Ketchner, meaning that she fit Ketchner into a domestic abuser profile and put the defendant at risk of being convicted, quote, not for what he did, but for what others are doing. Oh, no. So the state said that the profile evidence was for the purpose of describing patterns in abusive relationships rather than relating general characteristics of domestic abusers. So according to the state, this testimony was not used to show that Ketchner was guilty because he fit the abuser profile, but rather to show that the relationship between Jennifer and Ketchner was in many ways typical of relationships involving abuse. So the court appeal goes on. It says Dr. Ferraro's testimony predicted an abuser's reaction of loss to loss of control in the relationship. There was no reason to elicit this testimony except to invite the jury to find that Ketchner's character matched that of an abuser who intended to kill or otherwise harm his partner in reaction to a loss of control over the relationship. The trial court thus erred by permitting Dr. Ferraro to opine about separation violence, lethality, Uh, lethality factors and any characteristics common to abusers. The only charges in dispute at trial were first degree murder and burglary. Ketchner did not contest that he assaulted Jennifer and assaulted and killed Ariel, but he claimed that the state failed to prove that he did it by premeditation. Mm. Um, Judging. And they said that the profile evidence, uh, according to the state did not contribute to the, the, conviction because he admitted he did it right 
Um, the state acknowledged that oral argument before the court, before this court, the prosecutor did not argue that Ketchner remained unlawfully in Jennifer's home with the intent to commit a felony. Instead, the key factual dispute relating to the burglary charge was whether Ketchner entered Jennifer's home intending to commit a felony or instead to have consensual sex with Jennifer. Because he said that's what he was. Um, I think he intended to go. consensual yeah. with the kiddos. Yeah. The prosecutor argued that Ketchner entered to kill Jennifer to take control of the family he was losing. Defense counsel countered that Ketchner entered possibly high on meth. Yeah. I I wondered because he was very erratic. I wonder why he wasn't this erratic with Debbie. He might have been. He might have been. Because he'd been off and on in jail. True, but yeah. for drugs or the violence, yeah, drugs, yeah, drugs DUI, yeah. violence, yeah, yeah domestic yeah. Mm-hmm. violence. Mm. Uh, defense counsel countered yeah. that Ketchner entered possibly high on meth, expecting to have sex. Counsel further maintained that after Ketchner saw Nate, a quarrel erupted that sparked the violence, violent events, and therefore Ketchner was guilty of only second degree murder. Evidence supported both scenarios, and the trial court instructed the jury on the first degree murder and the lesser. Uh, included offensive second degree so they could go either way so hold on i just had a bunny trail i'm wondering if that's why debbie was okay it might have been yeah she might have been relieved yeah okay sorry to get rid of them that's a good point like all righty yeah (laughs) have you seen my husband yeah Yeah. (laughs) hey maybe that's Hello, there's an idea, people. Guys, do not listen to her. Oh, my gosh. You don't want someone else to get murdered. She could get rid of them. Uh, Well, I wasn't thinking that far in advance. Well, Debbie might not have thought anyone would get murdered. Yeah, true. Uh, So Dr. Ferraro's profile evidence provided an expert opinion about how abusers who have lost control of a victim react, inviting the jury to conclude that Ketchner went to Jennifer's home that evening intending to either kill or harm her to regain control of his family. The prosecutor repeatedly referred to this control motive as a theme in his opening statement and closing argument. He said they were moving on. They were happy. He had lost control, and that night he decided to take control. That night, he decided to fulfill his threats, and that night he was there to kill. So Daryl Bryant Ketchner came to Jennifer's house to kill, to take control of the family that he was losing, the family that had shut him out. Daryl Ketchner had come there to kill, to take control of his family that he was losing. The defendant was angry because they were not letting him back in where he's always been allowed back. He is losing his control. So these are just statements the prosecutor mm-hmm. make. The defendant no longer had control of her, his kids, or their life. They were moving on. They were strong, and he had lost control. Wow. And that night, he decided to take control back. He decided <laughs> wow. to kill, and Losing he did. control. <laughs> on that night, Daryl Ketchner entered into the house, knife in hand. Okay, so he had it. Oh. How knife is that in not hand. premeditated, people? Yeah. Come on. Dark clothes, immediately attacked, is what the witnesses yeah. were saying. He Dark immediately clothes. attacked. Taking control of the family that was shutting him out, the family he was losing. He was losing his family. He was losing control. He was losing it. So what happened is the convictions of first-degree burglary and murder were reversed, and he was remanded for a new trial, which started in July uh, 26, 2020. crazy. New trial. Okay. So... He, you know, new trial now, 2020. So that was not too long ago. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So Kara Atkins, 22, the daughter of Ketchner, 
testified in his retrial. Kara said that Ketchner called her on a cell phone from prison in early March telling her that he stabbed Ariel because he thought she was Corey, a boyfriend from a long time before he attacked Jennifer and Ariel. So I guess he thought that Corey, Jennifer's old boyfriend, was there, which is BS. Well, not only that, how how high are you if you truly even think that for a second? Right. Yeah, no, he's trying to manipulate. He just wanted it on tape. People don't do math. You know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and Kara had not talked to her father for years, so she was shocked when he called, and he's trying to say that's what happened. She said that Ketchner really wanted Kara to know what happened, excuse me, what happened and why he murdered her half-sister and almost her mother. Ketchner possessed the cell phone illegally and engaged in, quote, illegal communication from a state prison. He was calling victims, witnesses, and others using the cell phone that was found hidden in his legal paperwork in prison on November 19th. So multiple people. Yeah, he's trying to control the narrative again. I know. So that maybe he'll get off. Because he lost his family. But how would he, he get was all the losing numbers? Losing control. How would he get all the numbers? Would it be in the paperwork? Uh, it wouldn't be in the paperwork, <gasps> would it? Yeah. Oh, I hope not. If he was representing himself, yes. If he oh, had any part in his yep. legal defense, all of that will be in there. Yeah. Which I think is ridiculous. I do too. I don't think any witnesses, any victims' names, mm-hmm. uh, well, addresses and phone numbers mm-hmm. uh, should be in the legal documents. Yeah. That I agree. Can, you know, especially convicted but accused people get. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a headphone set, three wristwatches, and a syringe. He was charged with major disciplinary infractions on November 25th and 27th. Also, during the trial, the DA noticed Ketchner was writing down the jurors' names. Oh. He's a psycho, man. He is an outright psychopath. I mean, just look at him. You could tell he's mad. He's an angry person. I'm surprised in school, though, no one noticed that he was... Well, I didn't say they didn't notice. Oh. Um, I don't know. Oh. I, I, oh, sorry. I didn't ask her if he, you know, yeah, was, if there was any sign high strung or anything. That's quite a jump and a leap. Oh, I'm sure. To, if he was abused. Drugs. Drugs. Yeah, he yeah was and then drugs. the drugs. Yeah. Massful. It'll change your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Ketchner testified in the second trial that he went over to have sex with Jennifer, that Jennifer went a- after him with the knife, <laughs> that a struggle ensued. That he brought. He also retold the story they thought Ariel was Corey. The jury obviously smelled BS. They found him guilty again August 10th, 2022. Awesome people. The judge sentenced him to life plus 21 years. So the death penalty was reversed. And voiced how despicable he thought Ketchner was for lying through his teeth on what happened. Um, So Ariel, you know, the beautiful um, teenager that he killed... That thought was some dude. Um, yeah, that's such a bullet. I okay, so she was home from college when all of this happened. Aww. And she was home that summer working at the Sonic and she was saving all her money for her college. <sighs> she was going to transfer to Las Vegas in the fall so that she could be a dental hygienist. Hi, is it hygienist? Hygienist. hygienist. Mm-hmm. She was outgoing, bubbly, beautiful. Her manager at Sonic said that she was, quote, the sweetest person you would ever meet. Um, I think she actually realized how dangerous Ketchner was. Uh, she left home at 15 to live with her grandparents mm. when Ketchner was released from prison for drug charges. I wonder if he was. That's why I was about to yeah, say if he was yep, molesting her. Yep. 
Um, so, mm. and then she had moved back in with Jennifer. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. When he got out of prison, he moved back in with Jennifer and she didn't want to be in the house. So yeah, either I, the violence was a problem for her or he was also molesting her. I don't, if, she, if he was molesting her, I don't see her leave, leaving her little sisters though. Typically there's a, you know, there's a protection deal there. So at the least, I bet the violence and he obviously is a poop bird was probably too much for her. Um, and she may have been mad at her mom that she kept taking back this guy. Yeah. Cause if you're in prison for that long, 15 of the 21 years, yeah, you're done. You have plenty of time to get away that he would be in prison 15 of the 21 years and she would stay with them. But if yeah. there was a molestation or rape, which I'm, I'm kind of, I'm judging this one here. Um, it makes sense that he would kill her as well. True, but mm-hmm. they did say um, the witnesses that he went after her because she was trying to defend her mom. But I, that may be just supposition because all the witnesses got out of the house. But the the neighbor. Well, the neighbor didn't see the daughter. She was in the bedroom dead. No, I meant the neighbor was trying to get him off mm-hmm. of Jennifer, mm-hmm. and he did get off mm-hmm. and then went into the house rather than going after the neighbor. Well, he went for the gun, and then yeah. he came back out to shoot her in the head. Yeah. So what I think happened is he goes into the house. Nate sees him. He flees. Um, Ariel and her siblings, they escape through the window. Yeah. He goes directly for Jennifer. Ariel steps in front. He stabs her. Oh, she falls. Gotcha. Jennifer's running because she just saw her daughter stabbed. Oh, okay. And she's been stabbed. Then he's beaten her, you know, in the drive on the driveway. And then when the neighbor sees it, he then goes into the house, gets a gun, comes out and shoots her in the head. I thought that Crazy. she was defending the mom after the mom had already fled. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. No, she was in that the bedroom. Makes sense. She's already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. But they were in the kitchen when he came in. Well, they might have ran to the bedroom True. to get away from True. him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, and this is crazy. Both the Allison families and the Ketchner families treat each other with kindness and grace during the trial. Wow. Yeah, there was really? no animosity between the two. That'd be a toughie. Well, How grace. could there not be a little bit? All right, so here's yeah. a very short twist. Yeah. I had dun, to dun, hunt dun. for this picture, okay? Mm. So, so lovely looking yeah. fella. All right, oh. so the person that's not him. That that's suggest- not him? Uh-uh. Oh. Look at the eyebrows. It's all in the eyebrows, Mom. Okay. So the person the person that suggested this case, it was her older sister that dated Daryl. Oh. And then Kingman is a small town. It's about uh-huh. the size of my hometown. Everyone knows everybody, but my friend's doctor, Dr. Kajonis, I think, Kajonius. That's him there? Mm-hmm. He was the OBGYN in Kingman. Mm. He murdered his own wife and her boyfriend at Debbie and Daryl's house. Oh. So before Daryl got with Jennifer, he killed his wife and her boyfriend in their house. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, Debbie was a friend of my friend's, and the boyfriend was the older brother to a friend of my friend. So they all, <laughs> sure, you know, they all wow. were connected. All I could find on the case is that the doctor went to the Ketchner home 
and shot his wife and her friend John nine times. He told John, this is the last marriage you'll ever break up. His insanity defense was rejected, and he was convicted of two counts of premeditated first-degree murder. What's incredible is that he and the victim survivors tried to collect on an umbrella policy that he had. So basically, an umbrella, uh, umbrella policy covers unexpected and unintended events which result in body, bodily uh, damage or um, property damage during that, the policy period. The occurrence is legally defined as accident. So going to someone's house and murdering your wife and her boyfriend is not an accident. Not so much. What is that determined by? By who? The insurance. That it was an, the insurance says it was an accident? No, 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 no. That's how the policy is written. Yeah. That that so particular policy. He oh. and his victims were trying to collect on that umbrella insurance. Right. So the murderer is trying to collect on his own umbrella. Oh, brother. His own murder. Uh, the insurance company obviously said the fact <laughs> right. that he willfully harmed two individuals and that it was not an accident, plus he couldn't claim insanity, made it uh, unlawful and an accident, and not an accident because the jury didn't buy that he was insane. So Jeez. all this meant he could not collect, and then the, quote, standing in the shoes argument meant the other plaintiffs had no greater right than him the victim survivors mm. appealed but lost. So I have to say, just for our Kingman, Arizona listeners, mm-hmm. what is up with your town, man? Right. I mean, you got this whole situation with these doctors killing people. Could you imagine, though, that's your doctor and you no. find out and he's a killer? Especially around the vajayjay. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> right. That would be alarming. Right. Like, uh, that'd be mental. What was happening that'd down be, there? That'd be mental. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Mental, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yes. For the patients, I would think. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We're back to normal thought process. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that would be concerning. Yeah. But what are the chances that you have a Two rage doctors. killing in your home, and then your husband, ex-husband, murders his stepdaughter and tries to kill his wife across the street. Like I would get out of that neighborhood. That's crazy. Yeah. Something happened in there for sure. Okay. All right. Wow. We don't need that Sherry. I know mine because I've been told I'm. Yes. You know, be smart, be rude. See, I didn't even look. But I'm holding up the coast. And we're not looking. We were like this. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want Sherry. to look. I wanted to know mine. You didn't say yours. I'm laughing too <laughs> hard. <laughs> and don't be a victim. <laughs> Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? <laughs> <laughs>